When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santopadre. You know, when Frank and I were kids, we used to love to listen to people like Alan Sherman and Stan Freeberg, who are, like, brilliant at, at these clever, imaginative song parodies. And today... We are joined by the modern-day master of the genre, the man with the number one album in the country, the great Weird Al Yankovic. Now, this is going to be a very uncharacteristically somber and revealing interview. Uh, where it really touches some raw nerves at points. So, but be patient and be strong. Who has the biggest album of the year? Not you, Taylor Swift. Not you, Beyonce. Not you, Iggy Azalea. Not you, Ariana Huffington. <laughs> Not you, Taylor Swift. I think he said that already. Oh, it's Ariana Grande. Ariana Huffington. She doesn't. It Bigger than that, too, the though. Huffington Post. I think so. You know, fuck you, Ariana Huffington. You can't even sing. And your aggregated what? website. Yes. Your website's a piece of shit, and I'm glad your last album bombed. Fuck you, Ariana Huffington. Uh, Ariana Grande at least has a record out. Anyway, the person with the biggest album of the year... Uh, it's not Ariana Huffington, believe it or not. I thought it was. Yeah. Well, that's how I tricked you. Oh, yes. switcheroo. It's... Uh, Bait it's, and switch. <laughs> it's ladies and gentlemen, Weird Al Yankovic. Please just call me ladies and gentlemen. Yes, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. We have ladies and gentlemen <laughs> on the show right now. Now, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> This is your... We're doing this at the Friars Club in New York. You've never been to the Friars Club. I have never... I've been to one in L.A., not not this particular one in New York City, Ah, U.S. I think that's because you only... People only think you're a Jew. Uh, oh, that's really not. People assume you're a Jew. I've got my honorary Jew card, though. Yes, yes. Now... I've got nine punches on it. One more, and I get into the Friars Club for free. <laughs> So people assume you're ugly and annoying. You must be must. a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds? 
I apologize. No. <laughs> the Italian is apologizing to the Jews. <laughs> now, now, before we begin, I think we are. We haven't started begin. yet. Yeah, no, we haven't started. We'll turn the mic okay. on in a minute. All right. Uh, <laughs> your manager. Uh, said I couldn't have dinner with you. What? Yeah. He said I couldn't. You couldn't eat in the same yeah, room with me? Yeah. This was, I was being, every, he never said it. Uh, this is news to me. I, look. What? That we weren't supposed to eat dinner because then we'd have nothing to talk about. He didn't want the air to come out of that, the interview. And I think it was uh, I think it was a prudent decision. I've been with my manager for over 30 years, but we are done. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> Finished. And I said, look, I have nothing to talk about with him, uh, whether or not we have dinner. Right. Well, well, Letterman doesn't establish eye contact until he's in, in, in the, you're in the chair with him, oh, right? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, so I think probably the same kind of thing. We're setting up that kind of thing where, like, we would, we'd have a moment, like, right now, yes, yes, and not waste that moment exactly. over creme brulee. Yeah. <laughs> See, now it's a lecture. It, oh, I, I feel it. Yeah. I feel the buzz yeah. in my underwear. And, <laughs> <laughs> See, I, and I was saying, like, look, I'm not, Fucking Oprah Winfrey. I heard you were. Yes. No, I went down on Oprah oh. Winfrey. That's the mistake That's a lot of people made. <laughs> it's an easy, easy mistake to make. <laughs> <laughs> but you're saying no actual penetration. No, what you're actual, no actual penetration. She one time blew me. Uh, can yeah, we get, can we yeah. get back on track? Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> no, I. Oprah Winfrey one time blew me. Yes. Yes. While as legend has it, yeah. <laughs> while Stedman held the cheap movie camera. <laughs> You'd think they could afford a better movie camera after all this time. Oh, That's what's really offensive to me. She makes all that money. She gives Stedman a cheap movie camera. Yes. What are they thinking? <laughs> What are they doing with all it's that the money? Type with the little handle on the oh, box, the Bell and Howell model. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. And to show it on a projector. Oh, <laughs> that's offensive to me. Yeah, I, it it kills the whole reason for going down <laughs> on Oprah Winfrey that they couldn't get a good camera. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't. You don't film uh, Citizen Kane on your little phone. You don't you do don't that. You click the video. <laughs> you would not do that. That's not something you would do normally. Let me, since we're talking about Oprah Winfrey, I'll tell you one story. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey goes to a doctor for a checkup. Yes. Uh, the doctor says, okay, remove all your clothes. She takes off all her clothes. He goes, get on your hands and knees. She gets on her hands and knees. He looks at her and he goes, okay, now crawl to the middle of the room. She crawls to the middle of the room. And he goes, now crawl over to that wall. She crawls over to that wall. He's looking at her. And then she crawls to the other. He tells her, crawl to that wall. He's looking at her. And she goes, doctor, what's wrong? He said, nothing. I just bought a black couch. I can't decide where to put it. Oh. <laughs> You know, I knew where that one was going. Yes. <laughs> I heard see, it with Al Roker. See, see, this... <laughs> see, this is the... 
the time I wish <coughs> we were filmed. Yeah. Because there's a black person in the room with us. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it okay. And, that and makes it okay. If, <laughs> if this was on TV, if it was on TV, they'd immediately zoom in for a close-up. his reaction, his yeah, horrified like, reaction. You could say the most racist thing, but you find the one black guy in the audience, even if he works there, and you zoom in. Like, oh, he's okay. He's oh, okay. okay. Everything's yeah. all right. You Don't see, worry. He, he didn't It he couldn't didn't possibly be racist. It couldn't possibly be racist. He didn't. Why were you thinking it was racist? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Look, obviously, clearly... Look, there's the black guy. <laughs> he, he speaks for his entire race. This one black guy, that's the way those people are. One of them speaks for the entire black guy. They, they have just stock footage saying, we're cool, we're cool. Mark, Mark, I'd like to apologize to you now. I'd like to apologize to you now. Now that I've apologized to Al. Oh, We'd like gosh. to apologize to anything bad we said about Oprah Winfrey, because we know you that, worship her. That wasn't a true story, as, was it? As a black man, <laughs> you go to a church that has a statue of Oprah Winfrey <laughs> that you pray to every oh, week. Oh, God. I pray to a statue of red buttons, but... <laughs> Those are hard to find. <laughs> I've been looking on eBay every week. <laughs> my, my search term are bread buttons and statue. I don't know if there's anything else I should be searching for. So you're in song parody, right? <laughs> <laughs> are we back on track? Oh, my goodness. Wow. That was a nice ride. Wee! <laughs> um... Juno, like I spent 90%. They said Juno's? What, what, what did you say? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, Juno's. <laughs> <laughs> see, now, see, it would be easier to find a Jew at the Friars Club to zoom the camera. <laughs> at these events, it's easy to find a Jew in the audience. <laughs> uh, a black guy sitting there is the hard one. It's harder. I have heard. That they they will find before a special, they will find where a black guy is sitting in the audience ahead of time to do a cutaway later. Yeah, so uh -huh. they'll know they could zoom uh -huh. in, like when Don Rickles says, right. "Oh, and the black guy in the third row," and they'll zoom to the back, and there's a, one black guy there. Yeah, or the okay. Republican convention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, same thing. See, see, we're cool. We're cool. <laughs> We're good. Everything's fine. Everything's good. We. <laughs> you must have been an Alan Sherman fan. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it, we well should, this we has should been weird, Al. Yeah. <laughs> we, we should point out that your new album is the first comedy album. Do I have this right? To chart. I don't know yet. To chart since Alan Sherman. To be number one since Alan to, Sherman. Excuse me, yeah. to be number one since My Son the Nut. That's tr that's correct, yes. For those who uh, don't, I mean, Hello Mudda, Hello That Fodder. was it, yeah, that was the album. Sure. Yeah, and Harvey and Sheila. Uh-huh. Sung yes. to Hava Nagila was a great I, one. I had the other album. I had My Son the Folk Singer. And uh, My Son Which the had, Celebrity yes. and Songs for yes. Swing and Livers. Yep. 
And then they hit, he hit, he was so amazingly popular for an 18 month period. Yes. It was, he had literally, he had three number one albums in a row within 18 months. He was playing sold out show at the Hollywood Bowl. And then his fourth album was like, yeah, I, I've done all this funny stuff. I, I want to show people my serious side oh. now. And the fourth album was just like, kind of like him doing serious songs. Oh, and no. Oh, he wow. had the biggest crash and burn maybe in, in you know, pop culture history. Since it was just Vaughn so, Mater. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. Since t- the year before, yeah. Right. The year before. <laughs> wow. And I, I heard with Alan Sherman, once at the first taste of success, real fame, his life started falling oh, apart. Yeah, I, I just read his uh, biography, uh, Overweight Sensation. Yeah. And it talks about, it, it's really kind of a, a real cautionary tale about how he just made a bunch of really horrible decisions in his career and his family, and he cheated on his wife, and the, you know, his family turned against him, and he wound up a uh, very sad, sad man. Yeah, and he... he Thank you, good night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he died, did he die uh, having heart surgery or something, something like he, that? He died at like 49, yeah. he but he had man. a heart problem, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they said everything that was bad about him before, like being fat and everything, he became really obese. Yeah, it's what you call exacerbating the problem. Oh, he was yeah. a constant exacerbator. Yeah. And that was something... I that, do that every yes. night. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Now, this is very weird. I'll talk to you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> it's funny because I spent 90% of my life in comedy clubs. And, and the funny thing is, like with comedians, they'll like look at a comedian who does song parodies and it's always very snide. Oh, I'm, I'm like the yeah. second lowest on the totem pole. It's like me and then Carrot Top. Yeah. <laughs> So it's not a not a revered occupation. Yeah, it's kind of like you're a few notches below Gallagher. Yeah. <laughs> but above Gallagher, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm right between Gallagher and Gallagher, too. Do you think they'll ever do a movie about Gallagher and Gallagher 2. I sure hope fascinating so. Fascinating story. Yeah. That would be a like a like a 3D movie with the, the watermelon <laughs> flying onto the audience. Of course, he let his brother do his act. Under the agreement that he's Gallagher too, and, and that, that he's he horribly racist. Yeah, <laughs> and he would travel with a black guy that the camera would zoom in on. <laughs> it was the end of Scatman Crothers' career, and he really how sad to know that. Man. How's that to end his career on being Gallagher 2's go-to black guy? He had such a fabulous career up until that point, and it was just one bad career decision, and that kind of, like, painted his legacy, you know? Al, before we go completely off the rails, okay. yes. would you, and this, Gilbert's established that we're here at the Friars Club. You were having dinner with your manager, Jay, I was. Jay Lee. Yeah, who wouldn't Ex-manager, thank you. <laughs> and, and our friend John Ficarra, the editor-in-chief of Mad Magazine, yes, indeed. who's here with us tonight. And as John and I were just talking about, it's the 50th anniversary this month, October, of a landmark copyright case. That's true. Yes. Tell us about it. Oh, and and how it affected your career. Well, it's the the copyright case where uh, they they had a, a book of song parodies, written song parodies, uh, as one would have any book, and uh, and Irving Berlin got very upset because uh, they parodied some of his uh, copyrighted work, right. uh, and it got all the way to the Supreme Court. Yep, uh, and. 
it was sort of a ridiculous case looking back on it because they weren't, you know, publishing music. They, they literally were publishing song lyrics, which were parody lyrics. And the Supreme Court rightly uh, found that they didn't want to be the brain police and say, no, you can't be thinking of this music in your head while reading these lyrics. And, and song parody, uh, that was a major precedent in the Supreme Court for, for song parody, which, uh, of course, affects, you know, me today. Mm-hmm. It was Larry Siegel and, uh, and Frank Jacobs. And Frank Jacobs must have been an influence. I mean, he was on me. Huge. And I didn't even go into song parody. No, huge, huge influence. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I just uh, wrote the, the preface to a, uh, a book that Matt is putting out about Frank Jacobs. And he, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was the, the, the main guy at Mad that would do song sure. parodies and, you know, a huge, huge inspiration. Sure. And, and Mad itself, aside from Frank Of Jacobs, course. I mean, you know. An inspiration uh, to this day. You know, at, at that, you know, at that age, like 11, 12 years old, I, I feel, find, that, find that that's where my most hardcore fans are. There's something that happens in your brain at that age where you appreciate that kind of irreverent humor a little bit more. And that was me with Mad Magazine. I would force my parents to drive me around to all the, uh, the used magazine shops mm-hmm. and find the back issues. And that was, it was just great a, Norman Mingo covers. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So great. And when you'd find one that you didn't have. It yeah. Was such a great feeling. It was. It yeah. was. I, I remember the first time Mort Drucker drew a picture of me. What an honor. Yeah. Wasn't very good. <laughs> was the end of his career. Anyway. I'd like to apologize can, to Mort Drucker, too. Yes. Can, can Al shut the fuck up so I can talk? <laughs> I don't know. He, he thinks because he's a guest. That allows him to he speak. He's the number I'm one sorry. record in the country, too. Please s- continue. Yeah. <laughs> You were, you were saying somewhere how your parents were totally possessive of you as a kid. Was I saying that? Yeah, no. They're I, like, yes, he's our son. Yeah. He's our yes, son. Yes. Do not no. take him away from us. <laughs> they were totally protective. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was the kind of thing where if anybody wanted it, you know, to hang out with me, they had to come to my house because my mo- mother wasn't sure if, like, somebody would try to poison me somewhere else, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, you know, as a parent now, I, can, I understand that impulse, but yeah, I've also learned to kind of let it go a little bit, you know, now and then, let them cross the street by themselves on occasion. And, and, and you said that your school was right across from your house. Yes. And so, yeah. And so my mother would uh, <laughs> watch me through binoculars during PE class to make sure the other boys weren't playing too rough with me. <laughs> so, 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 that, so we've got our binoculars now. When we're following our daughter around. And, you know. So I guess that didn't make you too popular in school. <laughs> <laughs> when I write a song like White and Nerdy, that comes from a lot of personal experience. I was not, yeah, I was not the big man on campus, no. Yeah, White Nerdy was the one with um, with Donny Osmond. That's right, yeah, yeah. Donny Osmond. That's right. Amazing. He was so great. We called him up, and uh, he flew out from Salt Lake City to do that uh, video. And I, I, if, I don't, you've probably have not seen it, but there's a t- uh, something I uploaded to YouTube called White and Nerdy First Take, which is me and Donny Osmond just kind of. Um, Going through the whole song, the first time we ever did it, I, Donnie says, what do you want me to do in the background? I was like, whatever you want, just go nuts, have fun, and we'll take a look at it and see what works. And Donnie Osmond just went crazy for like three and a half minutes. Yeah. It's just on YouTube, and uh, it's like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Well, he's so into it yeah. in the video. Yeah, he's I mean, totally he's committed. To he's so committed to it. I wrote for him years ago. I wrote for a talk show. Great guy. Uh, Jay, Jay Levy's wife produced. Yeah. Uh, Donnie and Marie talk show, Karen Glass. Yes, indeed. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. Now, these lyrics, speaking of white and nerdy, I had to print these out. And I wanted to ask you, we're jumping around a lot, so I apologize. But about your process. My process? Yes. If I may use that. <laughs> if I may use my, my xiphoid pre- process? My pretentious a word. 
the, these lyrics of all of my action figure, all my action figures are cherry. Stephen Hawking's in my library. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? How do you? How do you approach? Let's look at these lyrics. Writing a song like this, I, I try to think what rhymes with cherry, <laughs> and uh, I could go for like Crazy Larry, uh, or Harry, or Library. And Library in this case seemed to, to to work better. Right, but I mean, I, I get my rhyming dictionary out. Do you really? I look. At, well, now it's online. Uh-huh. Got the online dictionary, uh-huh. rhymezone.com. Thank you very much. And uh, but it's a deeper process in, in than fact, just rhyming. I, no, no, that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's pretty I, much it. I think the the only good part. <laughs> <laughs> of the movie Spy Hard with Leslie Nielsen. That's when Leslie Nielsen was making all those horrible satires that would... The Zucker Brother knockoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was where he was a spy. And you did... Uh, the opening credits. The, yeah. The, the, the spy Hard. Yeah, and it had like, uh, instead of like beautiful girls, they'd be like a fat girl floating around. We just like to say plus size, but yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, fat. <laughs> and... and and I, that, that was the weirdest audition process ever. It was like we uh, we literally had a, a call in Los Angeles where like we need a lot of large women that can oh, swim geez. underwater. And, <laughs> like we had those list of things they had to do, and they they showed up. They're like you know forty people. Like where do we go? <laughs> Jump in the pool. And I remember because this wasn't so much a. A different. It was a different kind of parody. It was. It was a takeoff on like the uh, what is it? The the thunder. Like, yeah, like Goldfinger. Thund- and yeah, Thund- 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 John Barry. Yeah, Thunderball. Right. It, it was Barry basically stuff. the feel of Olo. Right. A pastiche, as it were. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the the line, the lyric I remember there is, you know, just like Olo's, where they keep going, you know, Goldfinger, yeah. and they start sing, yelling the name out at the yeah. end, and you kept yelling out Spy yeah. Hard. The name of this movie is Spy Hard. Yes. Call it Spy Hard. <laughs> it's the theme from Spy Hard. And then it goes on for like two minutes and my head explodes. And then you say something else. After my head explodes? No, no, that's the no, end no. Before your head explodes. <laughs> I said, yes, the whole song, Gilbert. I okay. Mean- <laughs> you, were doing, you were doing Olo Spy Hard uh, like you just yeah. did. And then you said, and if you came in late... Do you remember your own yeah, list? Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, oh. Yeah, the, the, the last, uh, yeah. The, maybe you I, said, and if you came in late, allow me to reiterate. reiterate. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Rhyming dictionary. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank you. So you weren't kidding. <laughs> and, and I was very happy in your current um, uh, takeoff on the Robin Thicke song. Uh-huh. Oh, we were talking about word crimes yeah. before, before you got here. It's just great. Well, thank you, man. Because the one that I hate, and I was so glad it was there, were people who said, I could care less. Yeah. Is that a pet peeve of yours? Yeah, that annoys me. I, I'm sorry. I mean, it could be sarcastic, like, I could care less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be it, I shan't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of my question, Al. When you, you, did you want to write a song about abuse of the English language? And I did. Then you, and then it just happened to be well, a happy marriage. It was, just, flirt- it was just one of those things I always kind of had in the back of my mind because I, I, uh, I'd done some videos on YouTube where I basically was a guerrilla uh, grammar person where my wife and I would drive around town and I, I would correct road signs. You know, change, Are you one of those? Change it from drive slow to yeah. drive slowly. Uh-huh. And uh, signs in the supermarket that say 12 items or, or, or less to 12 items or fewer. Mm-hmm. So we did a few things like that. So I was sort of known for being being the grammar Nazi, and, and, and when I came up with the idea for Blurred Lines, I thought, oh, this completely plays into that sensibility, and all the grammar nerds everywhere will rejoice. And, and you are yeah. attacking 
and I was so happy about it. All the people who use the term literally. Oh, I hate. Drives me crazy. You know what? They, they, uh, there's a, a dictionary that um, uh, supposedly is uh, changing the definition of literally to, well, kind of figuratively. Oh. Like, no. No, no. I mean, common usage. I don't understand the languages change, but common usage doesn't make it right. It means there's a lot of stupid people. Yeah, I, I, when they say I literally exploded. Yeah, it's like no, you I didn't. take their word for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I believe them. I believe them when they say that. Or I blame myself for being so gullible. Or every time Alanis Morris said, use an example of irony. Yes. Yeah, it was... Well, that, that's a lot of the song, Irony is Not Coincidence. You yeah. Know, <laughs> very few things actually fall into the narrow definition of irony, and I think nothing in that song does. No, it was like like something like, if, uh, like rain on your wedding day. Well, it's bad. Yeah, it's like a fire drug. truck on fire. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> on word Have we started yet? Yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, 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 now we talk to ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we, I did your show once. You did? Yes. The Weird Al Show. Yes. Back in the late 90s. Which was a very funny episode because you were teaching. It was supposed to be like a kid show. Right. And you were teaching. It was supposed to be. Yeah. It was, in fact, a kid show. And it was, in fact, also supposed to be like a kid show. <laughs> <laughs> and you were saying to the kids, you were saying, now, it's perfectly normal and okay to have an imaginary friend that only you can see and hear. And you said, I have a totally imaginary <laughs> friend, Gilbert. And, and, I and then you up, walk in Yeah, next and I to say, me. no, I'm right here. And you're going, see, you can't see him or hear him. <laughs> I'm right here. I'm right here. That's very good. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of your Saturday morning show, yes, another yes. one of your heroes... Uh, Stan Freeberg. Stan Freeberg, absolutely. He started on the show as J.B. Toppers. Yes, he was the network executive who had to give me all sorts of horrible network notes, which Stan relished doing because he would always get horrible network notes on his shows. Yeah. Uh, and it was just such a joy because I got to work with him and his son Donovan. And they, they also did um, the, the puppets. I did a, a fake puppet show. Uh, I remember. Uh, and they did Papa Bully and Baby Bully, and they did it, their puppets just like Stan used to do for a, a, a Beanie and Cecil That's back right. in the day. That's right. And so Stan was an influence, too. Well, absolutely. Yeah. He's one of my all-time heroes. Absolutely. I was yeah. listening to Elderly Man River. Oh last yes. Night. Speaking of uh, a network interference, it's great. Yeah. It's just smart. Early comment on uh, political correctness. Yes, yeah, so smart. And like you, he he gathered musicians, the best musicians that he could get his hands on at the time, and and to to, to parody those songs like Billy May. Yeah, I mean, he had an, an amazing uh, you know group of people that he put together, the actors and the musicians, and you know, like I said, but my own band. I mean, just because they're comedy doesn't mean that they're any less skilled than another band. I mean, the fact the fact that they can do everything from gangster rap to a uh, to and polka music and everything in between. I mean, it shows their range, certainly. Right, you've been with those guys forever. Since early, not, not literally forever. Yeah, not figuratively literally, forever. Not li- <laughs> <laughs> Good catch. See, now he's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I was willing to go along with the literally thing, but now, <laughs> okay, we're wrapping it up with Weird Al. He's Weird a- Al? Queer Al. Oh, Queer Al. Sorry. My mistake. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Queer Al. Queer Al. That's a different act. So now we would have to... (laughs) We'd have to zoom in on old footage of Paul Lynn. (laughs) And 
you go see? He's laughing. Let's go with Alan Seuss. Why not? <laughs> tell, tell Al your Paul Lynn story. Oh, yes. Let me hear this. Oh, okay. Is this the one that he hates the Jews? No. When he, no. Walks, where he, where he walks into the bar. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, well, I, I, I heard it was when he walked into some kind of like a barn or something where a show was going to take place. And he, he walks in, and it was like some bad dinner theater place, and it was all run down. And he goes, this place smells like cunt, I think. (laughs) 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 And he was also, Paul Lynn was also viciously anti-Semitic. Did not know that. Yes. Oh, my God. He's famous for it. Uh, He would just, like... I heard from the producers, some of the producers of Hollywood Squares when I did it. I really did do it. I'm not bragging. No. Get late. Were you the secret square? <laughs> Ever? <laughs> so one of the producers worked on the original, or two of them, and I'd like that really matters. It could have been two. Yeah, been. And he said that during lunch... Like the other acts there would be like joking and telling stories and being very nice. Paul Lynn would be bombed out of his skull and he'd be there going, those fucking Jews, they're the reason I don't have a career. <laughs> and yeah, it was they, it was very uncomfortable. Wow. Yeah. I thought there was a funny ending to that. No, no. <laughs> About as uncomfortable no. as Al is now, but but, <laughs> but my autobiography yeah. is going to be called. I thought there'd be a funny ending. <laughs> oh, God. And then it'll be followed by a book going. I don't know. I always heard he was fun here. <laughs> and then a third book called. How does he keep working? (laughs) (laughs) Now, where were we? I don't know. (laughs) You do song parodies. (laughs) I've I've heard that. I've heard about that. Tell tell us about, speaking of influences in your life, tell us about your your relationship with Dr. Demento. It's purely platonic. Those Polaroids (laughs) mean nothing. There's, you know, they've made it out of the internet now, and it's... (laughs) It's all photoshopped. That never actually happened. I want to make that clear. They were hacked. They were. I was yeah, hacked. I got it. Uh, like Jennifer you know, Lawrence. You know, uh, Dr. Domeno obviously gave me my start when yeah. I was uh, a teenager playing myself on the radio when no right-thinking person in the universe would have given... How old were you when you started sending songs? 13, 14, 15 years old. Just, and it was horrible, horrible stuff, but he thought it was unique that a teenage kid playing the accordion was thinking sure. he was cool enough to submit material. Uh, so he played it on the radio and on his national show, and uh, over the years I built up a small cult following. And at one time, to, to make it more professional-sounding, you recorded one in the men's room. Yes, because you, know, you have the bathroom wall of sound, like <laughs> Phil Spector used to use all right, the time. Sure. And uh, yeah, that, that nice warm reverb that adds that little professional touch you don't otherwise have. So I moved from the bedroom to the bathroom for that very reason, to get that little extra oomph that I knew I needed to make it into the big time. Was that my Bologna? My, why we call it my Bologna? My Bologna. But you can add the enye yeah, on it if you my, want to have a little. My Bologna. Yeah, I like Bologna though. That's yeah. That's I know of... I'm in good company because I went back and watched your clip on uh, the Tom Snyder show. Oh. And he, he says this is a he said a, a weird Al has made a, a name for himself parroting the Knack song My Sharoma. 
Sharoma, yes. <laughs> I, I was just I, I I was thinking about the Tomorrow Show because I just did a late night with Seth Meyers and, mm-hmm. and that was the same studio that Tom did the Tomorrow Show out of. And I just remembered I, I was nobody at the, I just before record deal, like nobody knew who knew who I was. And I was on with two other people. One person did the space shuttle shuffle, which was a very topical song, and I forget what the third one was. But I mean Tom was introducing me like straight out of like a nineteen sixties Roastmaster book, like Yes, uh his mother said, What a picture his dad tried to hang him. <laughs> and uh, Anyway, uh, hey, once he sucked all the air out of a tire, uh, here's where it all yanked yeah, ladies and gentlemen. He sucked the old air out of a tire. That was the strangest intro. Yeah. Your first time on television. Yeah, my yeah, first time on national television. 1981. Yeah. And he's like, what, what song are you playing here, Weird Al? Like, <laughs> well, sorry, it's not in your notes, but we're playing Another One Rides the Bus, Tom. Sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry you weren't prepped by your crack team. <laughs> and I think at one point, young in your career, you... You became very big, and then it sort of seemed to stop. Like with this interview? Yeah. (laughs) Very much like No, like, I I think you were talking about that one time. Well, every album that I I do is a comeback album. Like... (laughs) Like, I get very big for, like, a week, and then people forget about me. And a couple years later, I come back, and, oh, Al's back. Oh. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it nice? And, were, and you were applying for jobs outside of show business. Well, this, was, this is point. before I had a record deal. This is, like, yeah. the early 80s. Yeah, I mean, I, I graduated. I got my degree in architecture. Uh, but I decided my, my, my third year in college, that wasn't really it for me. I didn't want to spend the rest of my life, you know, hovering over a drawing board. So I, I applied for work uh, at the phone company for, for janitorial work. And they're like, you got a degree. What do you do? No, you can't work here. And uh, I, I just, you know, worked in the mailroom for a couple of years to pay for... Um, uh, pay for the macaroni and cheese. Uh, and But meanwhile, I was uh, getting airplane of the Dr. Domeno show, and uh, I finally did get a record deal. But, you know, they don't give you, a, like, a big bag of money when you sign a record deal. They say, yeah, well, you'll get your royalties in a couple of years. Yeah, trust us, it'll be great. Uh, was this I, the Scotty Brothers? Scotty Brothers, yeah. yeah. And it was a 10-album deal. It's like, <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, like, I'll ever have 10 albums. So, yeah, of course I'll sign this because I'm <laughs> getting minimum wage in the mailroom right now. Um, and so I put out my first album, still working in the mailroom because you know I had no money. Uh, <laughs> but I remember going to the post office and picking up the mail one day, and there was a Billboard magazine sticking out of the top of the bag. And I opened it up, and I was on the Hot 100 chart. And I thought, maybe I should give notice. Maybe <laughs> maybe I should think about this weird old thing full time. There might be something here. I better give it a shot. And your first album, and I found this out today, was produced by. Derringer. Well, my first six albums were actually, yeah. yeah. Your first six albums. Yeah, he uh, the the connection there was through his manager Jake Hooker, who uh, was the co-writer of the uh, song that Joan Jett had a hit with "I Love Rock and mm-hmm. Roll." Mm-hmm. And I did a parody called "I Love Rocky sure. Road." So when we go to, when we went went to Jake to get permission, he was like, "Well, that sounds great." And by the way, I manage Rick Derringer, you know, rock legend. And hang on, I, Sloopy. Hang on, Sloopy, sure. and the McCoys, sure. and, and maybe he'd be interested in producing your album. And and he was, and uh, worked out great. I, now, lo- I love the birthday song on that album. Oh, thank it's you. so man. dark. Thank you. It's a little bit of Tom Lehrer. You know, there's a lot of dark <laughs> stuff on there. You know, my, my stuff is family-friendly. I don't use obscenities. Uh, but it, some of my stuff gets kind of dark. Well, it's a different Weird Al Yankovic, because you're talking about somebody putting their finger on the button. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've done a lot of stuff like that. I, I had a, a, a song called A Christmas at Ground Zero. Not about 9-11 at all. It was written in the 80s, but it's, it's a song about basically nuclear annihilation during the holidays. And I was really pushing for that to be a single, and my record label was like, yeah, Not so much. I don't, not so much. Now, Frank and I were talking that uh, Prince uh, had a special order. Oh, about, yeah. <laughs> 
This is crazy. Um, yeah, uh, I forget what year this was. I, I guess late 80s, early 90s. But but uh, I was going to be at the American Music Awards. And uh, apparently Prince was going to be in the same row that I was because the, the night before the awards, we get a telegram saying that uh, Prince uh, requests that I not establish eye contact with him. I literally got a telegram that from Prince saying, please don't look at me during the show. Well, this was after you'd asked for permission to, to do Probably. it. Probably. I found out after the fact that he sent the same telegram to everybody in his oh, row. I so I, 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 you know, at, at the time, I was a little offended. I, I, I immediately sent him back a telegram saying, yeah, you don't look at me either. It goes both ways. <laughs> but, but he sent that to Night Ranger. He sent that to everybody that was, that was hanging around at so the time. So he sounds like a douche. You know, yeah. he speaks highly of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you. You have to understand, I mean, there are so many print stories. You have to understand, this is the guy, I don't know if you remember this, he used to take his bodyguard, I'm going to say literally, even though it's not literally, but literally <laughs> everywhere. Go for it. Uh, like, you know, he'd be at the award show, and if he won an award, he would walk up on stage with his bodyguard, like like Kenny Rogers is going to cold cock him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, on stage. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. It's, it, it was a strange guy. Yeah, so you're calling him But we're him close a, personal friends, yeah. and I, I hate to speak, speak yeah, ill of him. But you're, you are calling him a douche, <laughs> a total fucking douche. I, I don't think I said that yeah. in those exact words. Well, <laughs> literally. Literally. <laughs> Does he remain the one artist that has flat refused? Yeah, I Just mean, you know, there, there have been a, a couple rare instances. He's he's the only one that is has uh, just blanket said no. He never gives a reason, and I, we uh, we approached him maybe a half a dozen times, and I haven't uh, contacted ta- contacted him for maybe twenty years. So maybe he's developed a great sense of humor by now. <laughs> two new it's hard to say. Out. We should call him up right now. He's got two new records out this week. Let's, let's yeah, find yeah, out. Yeah. Good timing. We could jump on it <laughs> if if we could do it. In, you know, in sync with this podcast, <laughs> we could make a whole event out of it. Now, uh, most of the... It could be like you getting together Martin and Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be great. Imagine. Imagine that. We could be hugging on stage. Me and Prince. It's a thought. (laughs) Now... Thank you. Good night. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We have we're not giving. We're not giving. Let's just we're not giving. Just just make some syllables. I'll answer to it. Yeah. I want to ask about the uh, I lost on Jeopardy video, and you worked with Art Fleming. I did. And the late Don Pardo. And Don Pardo. Who we just lost. Yes. What were they like? They were great. You know, uh, Art Fleming uh, came to the set uh, uh, kind of out of character because I mean I was used to seeing him like very dapper. Yeah. He was kind of discoed out. I think he was like wearing a gold <laughs> chain and had the shirt unbuttoned to about here, and uh, it was just sort of like you know, like the hey Art Fleming on the set. I loved me some Art Fleming. Yeah, when I was a kid. Love the old. He, Jeopardy. He was awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean when I, when I did I lost in Jeopardy. You know, nowadays people assume it's referring to you know the Alex Trebek version of the show. But when right. I wrote that song, it was totally a nostalgia piece because Jeopardy had been off the air right. for several. Years, sure. and it was about the show in the sixties that I remember as a child. The old one with the wooden, the hand pulled yes, cards, the, the horrible, like sure, yeah, the, sure. yeah, the primitive little little um, scorekeepers, right? Uh, and uh, I don't know if he was uh, being facetious, but but Merv Griffin credited me for helping to bring Jeopardy back on the air because people got so interested in the parody. Wow! That I guess he tried, he repitched it, and uh, I haven't seen any royalties. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it was nice to know that, you know, he didn't sue me. And in fact, he probably made a lot of money off of it. Did they get the joke? 
I mean, Pardo was of oh, course, yeah. doing Saturday Night Live by that time, but did Art Fleming oh, have no, a sense of humor uh, and understand well, what you were going for? If you look for? at the video, I mean, you know, in fact, Don Pardo was like, I can't believe you got like uh, Art Fleming to like, you know, stick his tongue out and like make a funny face. And yeah, they, they were totally into kind of goofing on themselves. <gasps> oh, oh, that was a nice break in the action. Oh, I feel relaxed now. Oh, that was, oh, let me just stretch a little more. Oh, yeah, that was good. I feel much better. Oh, I, I think I can go on now. I think I can continue. You I, know, I'm glad oh. we didn't talk beforehand. No, <laughs> it would have, would have ruined the momentum that we've now established. That would have just ruined everything. Can you imagine how awkward that would have been? Crazy. It would have been such an uncomfortable <laughs> interview I w- had I talked to you beforehand. <laughs> you know, I think you should resign with your manager. I, sh- I yeah, really should. You really should. I think that was a brilliant idea. Yeah, you're probably Plus, right. In retrospect, thinking back on it. Plus, if he had not said that, this interview would have sucked a high heaven. I'm going to hire him back. You're absolutely right. We'll, we'll patch things up. Oh, see, that he's got the vision. He's a visionary. He's yeah. prescient. You know, and that's, yeah, you just have to trust his gut, you know? I just never, I should just never question anything he says from now on. Now, so you must have been close friends with Boris uh, Pickett. Karloff? No, yeah, what? no. Uh, what was his name? Bobby B- Boris Bobby Pickett. Boris Pickett. Yes. Uh, I met him once. You did? Yeah, I met him at the uh, Dr. Meadows 20th anniversary show at the uh, the Country Club in Reseda, California, which is an amazing show. It had um, uh, uh, Doodles Weaver was there. Doodles oh, wow. Weaver. One the, of our uh, favorites. The, Benny, the, uh, Benny Bell was sure. there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Andy Kaufman was there not to perform, but he was like uh, hanging out and just like digging on the show. It was on a, a Tiny Tim. Was oh, there. I mean, wow. it was an, an amazing lineup of people. Yeah. Yeah. Doodles Weaver is the uncle of Sigourney Weaver. That's true, That's right. right. And he, he shot himself, Doodles Weaver. He did, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. So, I see, I'm glad <laughs> show we didn't have that dinner <laughs> beforehand. Or... <laughs> <laughs> that would have made things awkward. I just want to say to your manager right now, God bless you <laughs> for the fine work that you have done. <laughs> because this interview could have sucked to high heaven, but now, now, be- now <laughs> we, we got cut the pedal to the floor now. <laughs> I think the first time I ever heard you was listening to Dr. Demento, because I used to listen for Benny Bell and Shaving Cream, yep. and I think that's the first time I heard Weird Al Yankovic. Well, that was the first time I was ever anywhere, so that's very, very 70s, likely. in the 70s. Yeah, you know, late 70s. Yeah, yeah. my Bologna would, uh, came out at the very end of the 70s, and I had a bunch of uh, unreleased, horrible stuff before that. But yeah, that was, that was the beginning, beginning of it. From the 70s. And the doctor's still with us, isn't he? He's still is. around. You know, he's not on terrestrial radio anymore, but uh, he still does a show every week. It's on drdemento.com. It's a sub- subscription service, but he's, he's still do- out there doing it. Now, who exactly was the guy who called himself, uh, you know, Napoleon Bonaparte? Oh, Napoleon the 14th? Com- yeah. Oh, they're coming to take me, me away. away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jerry Samuels. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, are, you, are you amazed by that? He yes, had a real name? I am amazed. <laughs> he knew you would know the answer. You would know yeah. The answer. He, he works for a talent agency, and uh, he, he books a lot of acts in like, retirement homes and things like that. In fact, I just made an appearance at one of his retirement homes just to kind of hang out and, and meet the people. And uh, really super sweet guy. He lives in Philadelphia. That I remember because that, that became a big hit. 
And then it was forced off the air. That's right. It was like a number two song in 1966. And then they got a lot of uh, grief from people that thought he was making fun of uh, the mentally ill. Uh, so they, they basically pulled it off the air, and uh, he became the new Von Meter slash Alan Sherman. Oh, yeah. But, it, but he, did, he, he <laughs> wow. didn't have that kind of downfall, but like, that, was, that kind of took the wind out of the sails when you know, you know, that song was taken off the radio. Oh, yeah. No, or, I, I remember. That was remember like kind song. of scandalous at the time when they took it off. Before that, it was a very funny song. Yeah. It's one of my daughter's favorite songs. I mean, I remember one trip, she listened to it nonstop for about two weeks, alternated between <laughs> that and Wichita Lineman by Glenn Campbell. Oh, sure. <laughs> and I remember it had that hypnotic, you know, drum beat. Ba-bum, ba-bum, yeah. Ba-bum. Do you remember the, yeah. the flip side of that, where they had the song backwards? Oh, yes. That was yes. even better. Like, <laughs> and then Satan would appear in your living room. It was awesome. I miss novelty records. Yeah. It's really, you know. I should make one. Yeah. Oh, my God. God. Then there were those records. Oh, I know what you're talking about. No, I don't. (laughs) Remember, they were round. Oh, the hole in the middle. around the circle. Some were big holes, some were little holes. Yes. But there were those records that were, that was considered comedy back then, uh, where, you know, we'll say... Uh, Dickie Monster. Goodman, are you thinking of? Oh, yeah. You're thinking of the news clips where they oh, would then yeah. answer Here with a song. Mr. Jaws. Mr. Jaws. Kind of oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Or are we going in a different direction? Yeah, I'm no, reading no. your mind. I'm trying and, to figure and, out... And the president right. said we did the mash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the cut-in records. Yeah, Dickie Goodman the, was the king of that. Yeah. Those were pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> I that like was, them. I did, were, I did my own when I was 13 years old. They were passable as comedy back then. No, I love those. You did one with an old tape recorder? Yeah, my, my friends and I would like, you know, like, we're here in Elton John's living room. No. Elton, Elton, how long until your next album comes out? I think it's going to be a long, long time. Oh, Elton, you're so funny. You're so funny, Elton. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, really, that level of comedy. I had those records. Was yeah. it one guy? Was it just Dickie Goodman? Dick, he the, he, well, yeah. other people try to to to, yeah. to, to, to you know to, to bite a style. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but, but he was you, the main guy. You had the streak back then. Yeah. You had in the sixties. I, I think I think he was always on a different label because he would always get sued because I don't think he cleared any of those. Oh, really? What would not be called samples, but right. back then it was like stealing outright music, and uh, he just put those together and put them out and sold a bunch of records and then left town. <laughs> We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Now, wow. how much can you play someone else's music? It seems like so many times I'll hear so obviously someone else's song, but one note gets changed. Oh, like the Vanilla Ice tried to do? Like, oh, no, yes. it's not ding, 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 ding. It's, listen carefully, ding, 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 ding. See what I did there? I flipped it on you. I flipped it. Totally new song. Totally different composition. Original composition. Vanilla Ice. Copyright. 1992. Copyright. I always see that on TV shows and movies where they'll have like a character running down the street and they'll play something that is obviously the Rocky theme. Right. 
but it'll, you know, it'll be da da dee, yeah. da da da. You know, right. like you know, yeah, you, you can get away with that. You know, yeah. if, if he, I don't, I don't think there's an actual formula for that necessarily. I mean, because you can get sued for anything basically. But so you try to change it enough so that they won't take you to court. Uh, but you know, it's, it's called a pastiche. It's, it's basically evoking another song without doing literally every note. You see? see? You learned something there, see? Gottfried. I, you know, I should have just had lunch with <laughs> I would have had a free difference. lunch. And <laughs> <laughs> Which comedy albums did you listen to when you were a kid? Because we always talk about Bob Newhart. We yeah. always talk about Red Fox albums. Yeah, well, uh, my folks had bought a bunch of the Alan Sherman records for 25 mm-hmm. cents at Pick and Save. Mm-hmm. So we, we had those. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Uh, I, li- I love the uh, old David Fry albums where he d- would do all the Nixon impersonations. Oh, we were talking about David Fry with, with yeah. David Steinberg. Right, And yeah. how he did the, the, the best Nixon in the world. Yeah, uh, great. Uh, he also kind of like didn't have a happy... A sour guy, no. yeah. apparently. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, I think to begin with, he was like... I mean, I think they could really make an argument the fact that he was only comfortable in other people's characters. Right. Because they, they, yeah, they said he was pretty screwed up. Yeah, it wasn't like Von Meter though, because Nixon was still around. Oh yeah, yeah. Von, yeah Von, long career. Von Meter got a raw deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then what? Uh, Gary Owens had a comedy album called Shh. "Put Your Head on My Finger." Do you remember that at all? I don't know if oh, it got wow. a wide release, but it was a really funny album. Gary Owens. Um, and what else? Uh, of course, all the all the old uh, George Carlin stuff sure, and the Monty take Python and put ons and, and, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. Toledo Window Box right. and all those records. When I was stuff. a kid. I had an album, Frank Fontaine, Songs I Sing on the Jackie yes. Gleason yeah. Show. I, I don't, I've, I've seen the cover. I've never actually listened to the album. Is it a comedy album or is it just some no, song? No, no. <laughs> it's got this really goofy face on the yeah, cover, right? Yeah, he's there with the, then you the think, teeth. Because I, I, I was thinking about buying that. I was like, well, I don't think he sings funny songs. That, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. It was like, see... Frank Fontaine as Crazy Guggenheim. Well, uh, no, no, that, that, that was Oprah. Sorry, that was Oprah. Forgive me. That, that, was, that was my Oprah. That Oprah. was when I go down on Oprah. <laughs> she makes that sound. When I she went sounds down like on, Crazy Guggenheim. Yeah, when really? I went down on Oprah, she, I drove at an orgasm, and she said... I... <laughs> I'm a master of imitation. <laughs> but I remember, like, they were both around the same time. Frank Fontaine is crazy Guggenheim and, and Jim Neighbors. And was, was the museum named after him, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, the Guggenheim. It, was, it was like a collection yeah. of Frank Fontaine's yes. work at the Guggenheim. <laughs> yes. And, and they both, like, talked in wacky voices and then when they'd sing, it wasn't a wacky voice. It was like the whole Jim Neighbors thing. Oh, <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, and crazy Guggenheim, you know, Gleason would, you know, he'd go, Hey, you, Joe. Hey, you, Mr. <laughs> and And Gleason would go, So why don't you sing for us, crazy? And then it would be like, In my Easter bonnet. <laughs> And people back then. <laughs> oh, God. People back then assumed that Jim Neighbors and Frank Fontaine were extraordinary singers just because they didn't sound like the characters. You know, it's a great thing. Wow. You, you lower people's expectations. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is how I, I skate by because I keep my expectations super, super low. 
So anytime I'm on stage, people are like, he's not bad. That's actually pretty good. I thought he'd suck, frankly. And and I think Guggenheim also got away with some vaguely suggestive things. Really? Like, yeah, like when Gleason would go, so what did you do last night, crazy? And he'd go, I went out with the Fuck watches. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck watches. Oh, I see. That was risque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That <laughs> was pretty. It's sort of like the Farkle family. Yes, 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 yes. But, but he's borderline mentally ill, so you can't make fun, really. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. That crazy Guggenheim was both like, uh, like both uh, mentally unhinged and drunk at the same time. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's yeah. a perfect storm, yeah. really. Yeah. Why didn't the people who stopped Napoleon Bonaparte stop Crazy Guggenheim? I know. Too? Why? Yeah. <laughs> there was a double he, standard. Because he drank, too. Oh, I so see. So because he drank, you could question whether he was crazy. <laughs> Even though they, in fact, called him crazy. That was his name, Crazy Guggenheim. That's why I call myself weird, so I can get away with all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, what you going to do, Weird Al? You know. Oh, he's got an adjective in front of his name. You, oh, let him do anything he wants. Now, tell us about that movie you did. The movie I did? Yeah, yeah. UHF. Oh, UHF. Yes. What would you like that? It was 92 minutes long. Okay. Well, that's all right. I want to know. We it's in color. Argue. It's a talkie. We, we were arguing how long the movie was. <laughs> and we had money yeah, writing I, on it. I'm kidding. It was 105 minutes. <laughs> I, just, I wanted to make it seem like it went by quicker. <laughs> I, I think Gilbert wants to ask you about working with Billy Barty. Oh, who played yes. Noodles. Yes. Yes, uh, Billy was great. He was uh, the cameraman who got all the low angle shots. Uh, and um, and he was a real trooper. He had a great attitude. Um, uh, Ludy Washington, who's the the big African American gentleman who, who lived. <laughs> oh, quick, zoom in. <laughs> Let's zoom in on the black guy in the room. But he he was the guy in the fat video that was like you know, offering me the the the, the ding dongs. And we, oh we, yes, uh, we, yes. Got, we got him in the in, in the movie. And he was the cameraman in UHF. And he was also the guy that would ho- hoist uh, Billy Barty up on his shoulders so he could take the higher angle shots. Do you know one of the many low points in my career? One of them that stands out. I once auditioned for a movie and lost out to Billy Barty. <laughs> you yeah. never told me that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What, what was the movie, pray the tell? The movie was uh, uh, actually, you know, a, a terrible Mel Brooks movie. It was when Mel Brooks... Was, was it know, Life Stinks? Or Life was... Stinks. Oh, okay. Life Stinks, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not, not his and, finest And I, I auditioned for that and lost out to Billy Barty. What was the part? Uh, as an angry midget, I guess. <laughs> uh, an oh, old angry midget. You're my favorite angry yeah. midget. <laughs> now, also, you worked with um, Kevin McCarthy. Oh, yes. so great. Yes. Um, Nation of the Body Snatchers, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, it was kind of fun because he did an old Twilight Zone, uh, like I guess in the late 50s, early 60s, where he like ages 20 or 30 oh, years. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. And he looked, and that Twilight Zone, like he looked at our movie because of like, <laughs> <laughs> the time it actually left. Now, he, was, he was so great. I, I love Kevin McCarthy. Uh, he would just go be so over the top. He was like, yo, you the top of his lungs. <laughs> and then the director would yell, cut. And uh, then he'd start laughing. And it just he was having the best time. I remember around the time uh, The Aristocrats came out, in one part, I did an extra version of The Aristocrats. 
And I started, you know, talking about fucking and sucking and blowing As the one dog. does. Yes. As one does. So often does. One so often does. And, and Oprah and Oprah. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> When oh. hanging out with Stedman. Oh, God. Uh, so I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking about blowing a dog and the yeah. brother and sister fucking each other. Yes. And, and I say. I'm with you. I'm I with just, you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said at one point, I go. This is a common practice at the home of beloved character actor Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't say Dean Jagger. No, no, no. Say Kevin McCarthy. So, so one of the guys who worked on the film actually knew Kevin McCarthy. He was friends with him, and he said, "Oh, you know, you know, Gilbert Gottfried. He talks about, you know." Fucking a family, fucking and sucking and blowing a dog, and then and then he goes and then he said this is a common practice at the house of character actor Kevin McCarthy, and Kevin McCarthy goes, well that's that's offensive, <laughs> and he goes yeah well Gilbert is kind of and he goes but when you're right you're right yeah yeah no he goes <laughs> he goes you know that's offensive and he goes well you know Gilbert tends to take things. And and he goes, I'm not a character actor. I'm a lead. <laughs> oh, great! Good Brilliant. for him. Good for him. Good for him. Speaking of UHF. No, we're talking about Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> the only reason we have Al here is because he's worked with Kevin McCarthy. He would, he would do Shakespeare at the no drop idea. of a hat. He would do like any excuse, like on Saint Crispin's Day. <laughs> Go into the whole speech. Amazing. Yeah. I, mean, I loved him. He's great in Twilight Zone, the movie, too. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's just great. Great with comedy. Who knew? Speaking of uh, UHF, <laughs> a special anniversary edition. <laughs> coming. <laughs> Am I right about that? You, you are correct, yes. Uh, coming in November, there will be the Blu-ray, long-awaited Blu-ray edition of UHF. UHF in HD. Because people have been clamoring for that. There's, you know, the, there's so many jokes that you don't really appreciate unless you can see it in the full 1080 progressive resolution. I mean, it's the best work of Victoria Jackson. By far. I mean, I, I love her right wing rants, but <laughs> they're almost but, as funny. <laughs> what happened to her? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I remember when she was on Saturday Night Live. Mm. That's where everyone first saw her. She was this cute little blonde. Doing handstands. Oh, yeah. 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 And everything was cute and adorable. And then all of a sudden, she's this weird, uh, you know, fascist. (laughs) She's like the Von Meter of Saturday Night Live. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. I'm the Billy Barty of uh, <laughs> Mel Brooks movies. Al, tell us about the petition that's circulating. To get me out of the country? Yes, that one. <laughs> but also the one that uh, where they're tr- your fans are trying to get the NFL to hire you to be the halftime I, You know, I, I don't think I could afford to play the Super Bowl. You know, because it's a pay-to-play right. thing now. Right, right. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Right, so they, they're asking the performers to actually pay for the honor of playing the Super Bowl because oh. apparently it increases their album sales and blah, blah, blah. That, that's a real thing. Wow. That's a real thing. 
So, uh, yeah. I don't think I'm really NFL material. I think maybe Chris Brown would be a better choice for the. <laughs> you are, I think you are Chris Brown for the halftime show. I think if you're going to go down that road, <laughs> you could do a nip slip. I think if you, you had think? to. I yeah. could. I, could. Yeah. I, I do it all the time for fun, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us about what you did recently. You did. Uh, you performed at the Hollywood Bowl. I did bringing back your Simpsons song. Yes, uh, they did. They did uh, um, the Simpsons take the bowl. They did three nights. It was really fun. Uh, a, a lot of the voice actors from the Simpsons, uh, Conan O'Brien, John Levitz, Beverly D'Angelo, and myself, we all performed. Uh, I did the, the Ballad of Homer and Marjorie, which was a sure. parody of John sure. Mellencamp's Jack and Diane. Great, great night. We had a wonderful time. The Hollywood Bowl is just an amazing venue. It, it feels it feels intimate, but it's like seventeen thousand people. It's uh, it's it was crazy. I did a movie with what's her name from The Simpsons, uh, Julie Kavner. A uh, Julie Kavner. Yeah. Who people don't realize that's not a put on voice. You know, and actually, she talks that way. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. When she does the sisters, she does a voice a little bit. When she does Patty and Selma, yeah, gets a little differentiate. Yeah, yeah, a little little smoky. Now I remember being in a movie with her, and we had like one uh, truck there that had a bathroom for everybody, and the truck, the door, never had a working lock. And and so it would constantly be you'd be in there and the door would open up a hundred times if you got oh oh sorry oh oh and then one time I was peeing so my back was to the door and I remember I heard mm. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Karloff when they put the, <laughs> the fire up in front. Of <laughs> So Julie Kavner saw my dick is well, what I'm bragging a... about. <laughs> now you do parody. <laughs> now I'm sure you've been asked things like this, but does it? Do you pinch yourself? Do you stop sometimes and say, "I was a kid. I was making these little recordings on my tape recorder. I was sending things into Doctor Demento, and now I'm playing the Hollywood Bowl." It's pretty crazy. And I've got the number one record. I wish I, I still can't wrap my head around that. I mean, it's, I, I, you know, I wish I could go back and talk to the twelve-year-old version of myself and tell him all the crazy stuff that was going to happen. I mean, this year alone, I've done so many things which I never even dreamed that I'd do last year. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, just mind-boggling to me. Living the dream. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> oh boy, God bless you. <laughs> You can't be serious around here, Ralph. You can't. You can't have a sentimental moment. No. It's you know, true. I'm, I'm <laughs> so Julie it's Kavner. About, it's all about Julie Kavner seeing his dick. <laughs> I tried to go there for a yes. Barbara Walters moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take. You know, it was a, it was an offensive interview, but it also had some heart. So that's <laughs> that's really what saved it. That's really saved it. You know, I was going to hate Al for being insensitive, but no, I saw something there that night when I listened to the podcast. There's something, there's something deep inside him that I like. What musical comedy uh, acts do you do you like now? I heard you talking about Reggie Watts and yeah, um, uh, Lonely Island. I'm of course, Island, a huge fan sure, of uh, sure. a Flight of the Concords, uh, uh, Tenacious D, mm-hmm. uh, Garfunkel and Oates. Garfunkel and Oates uh, are great. Uh, Roy Zimmerman, Bo Burnham. I could give you a whole laundry list someday. <laughs> I think you did. Okay. 
Who sang "Does Your Chewing Gum Lose Its Flavor"? Uh, uh, Donnie oh, Lonigan. Uh, uh, Skiffle. Yeah, Donnie. Is that right? Did I get it right? That's right? Ding ding. That's right, Donnie Lonigan. Thank you. Hey, what are we win? Is the the guy? I think there was a guy named Donnie Lonigan or something Lonigan, who was in uh, Son of Frankenstein. Is that true? Not he, the same guy. He played Basil Rathbone's son. Wow. And I think he's still alive. Let's find out. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's get him on the line. I think Donnie Lonigan was what they call a skiffle player. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which was going to take over rock and roll, right? British invasion stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Skiffle. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> Could someone look up Donnie 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 he Tony was Donnegan. the guy in Son of Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Yeah. I could see you make that switch. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were thinking of Mario Spenskaya again. <laughs> the way you walk is thorny through no fault of your own. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, Uncanny. I, heard, <laughs> so I heard that Chico from the Marx Brothers... And and uh, Maria Uspinskaya had lunch together one time. What? They went, they went to a restaurant together. <laughs> no. Lunch. Yeah. yeah. That completely <laughs> changes my world. Yeah. He was working her. He was working it. Yeah. <laughs> it's pronounced Chico? Yeah. I had... <laughs> That's crazy. Well, Chico. Chico. <laughs> well, Chico. <laughs> then he started the Chick-fil-A restaurant. Yes. <laughs> Whole different thing. Okay. We're talking to uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Now, you say you do song parody. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. I think you kept saying that. I don't think I ever brought it up once. <laughs> okay. We've been talking to the man who uh, sold more albums than Ariana Huffington <laughs> and Ann Coulter combined. <laughs> <laughs> Julie Kavner has never seen my private parts, <laughs> to my knowledge. As Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> ever. I'm out of cards, Al. <laughs> <laughs> we blew through those. We just want to talk quickly about Tom Lehrer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Another influence. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Tom Lehrer. Tom Lehrer. Tom Lehrer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that my Mount, Mount Rushmore of comedy would be Stan Feeberg, Tom Lehrer, Alan Sherman, Spike Jones. Uh, and Tom Lehrer's still, still around. He's uh, hanging in there. He, but he something had, of a recluse, isn't he? I mean, yeah, he's performing. like the J.D. Salinger of yeah. demented music. Yeah. So uh, he, he taught at UC Santa Cruz for many years. I don't think he does that anymore. Uh, but I still send him a, send him a Christmas card. Oh, good. He's, you know, he, he loved UHF. Oh. Uh, he, you know, he's, he quotes from that from time to time. Um, you know, brilliant guy. He only did like... I forget, like three dozen songs over the course of his career, but they're all brilliant, brilliant. Poisoning pigeons yeah, in the park? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Genius. Now, now, who was that guy they always used to play on PBS? Oh, Mark... Russell. Russell, thank yeah. you. Yeah, Mark Russell. Thank you. No Tom Lehrer. What's your opinion <laughs> on Mark Russell? Uh, you know, um, I, I wouldn't call him the poor man's Tom Lehrer because that would be rude. <laughs> 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 so I'll just, I just won't say that. <laughs> I will not be saying that today. <laughs> Would you give us a list of all the things you'd like cut out of this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Just have Jay submit it to us. Okay, I'll that'd, take care that'd of that'd it. Be nice. <laughs> anyway, we've been talking to a guy who I think does song parodies. <laughs> the master. The king of song parodies. <laughs> we've been talking 
with uh, Weird Al Yankovic. And I think I didn't slur the words now. No, that was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, because I thought... You needed some practice. You needed to warm up a little bit. I was having a stroke. (laughs) Sorry. Were you smelling toast? (laughs) (laughs) I was like Floyd in that last season of the Andy Griffith. Oh, Oh. The post-stroke Floyd. Yeah, Yeah, and they used to have Floyd sitting in the barber chair. You know, because he couldn't stand anymore. That was my favorite indie yeah. band, Post Stroke Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were great. You are quick. <laughs> okay. So we've been talking. Anything you want to plug? No. <laughs> I we don't want to taint any project coming up now. We should say the album is mar- mandatory fun. Yes, it is. And still... It continues to be mandatory fun. Still high on the charts. It's still number one as far as still I know. Nobody one. tells me anything. It's wonderful. It it's outsold Jaja Gabor's last show. <laughs> and so we've been talking to... <laughs> <laughs> it's me and Crazy Guggenheim battling for the top of the charts. <laughs> like a Satan. <laughs> <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> Wow, that is a treat. Crazy hey. Guggenheim does it's like a surgeon. It's by heart. <laughs> when you woke up, he this can't morning. help it. He's crazy. <laughs> don't, don't, don't he's, get offended. He's, he's just crazy. crazy and he's drunk. crazy and drunk <laughs> simultaneously. It's a deadly combination. Speaking of the Andy Griffith show, <laughs> yes. Remember when they did Finally. the TV movie? And they that was Matlock. Oh, Return uh, no. of Mayberry. Yeah, and yeah. Otis yeah. was no longer a drunk. Well, the same thing on The Simpsons, why they cleaned up Barney's act. Oh, my God. Because of complaints. And the Stretch. cookie monster. When is it going to end? <laughs> when? For crying out loud, everybody. When, for the love of God, will this stop? Please. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> I think so. I, okay, we've been talking to Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> Not crazy. Hey, Not you. crazy Al Yankovic. Why don't you sing a song for us, friend? <laughs> <laughs> you light up my life. Oh, my you. God. Wait, wait. <laughs> Look how they wound up. <laughs> the guy who wrote... Oh, you Joe Brooks. Up. Oh, yeah. my God. I don't it's, think I know this. What happened? Oh, oh, this is okay. wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and he won an Oscar, we too. Could, we could cut out some of the you talking about your life and career <laughs> just so we could fit this one in there. He had uh, a son. The son was going out with a model who he they accused him of killing his model girlfriend. The son... son his son. Uh-huh. He, on the other hand, was also on trial for like raping these girls that came in to audition for him. You lied <laughs> up my yes, go ahead. Yeah. And then he, he killed himself, the guy who wrote you. Joe Brooks up. Yeah. Up, killed himself in prison. Yeah. How's that funny? <laughs> <laughs> How? That's what I say about this. That's your fourth book. How is that? How is that funny? How is that funny? <laughs> That's his closer. You like that? <laughs> That's it. Oh. <laughs>
Joe Brooks. Not to be confused with Joe Brooks, the guy that played Vanderbilt, the nearsighted uh, watchtower guard on F Troop. Oh, <laughs> the my same God. Name. You know, we spoke to Larry. Larry, Stone. yeah. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. Who Thanks. we met at that uh, thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, we met at that autograph signing oh, thing. It thing. Was, it was quite horrible. <laughs> Horrible for people to give you money. Yeah, yes, yes. Oh, it feels so, ooh. Yeah, ooh, ooh. it's gooey. Gooey. <laughs> I mean, I I was putting those things off for a while. Oh, me too. And we, it was our first time yeah, for both of us. Yes. I'd never done it, and you hadn't done it Yeah, either. that's, well, he means the first time we fucked. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was the first time. It was ooey. Both, it was gooey. And, See, and when I was, when me and Weird Al were fucking, a lot of people thought it was actually Oprah Winfrey, and that's how that, oh, that rumor was made all the time. A a lot you can understand the confusion. They, they you can understand see Al, it. And they say, "Hey, isn't that Oprah Winfrey singing like a surgeon?" <laughs> <laughs> Have we started yet? No. <laughs> okay. I I guess uh, I I I'd like to uh, have a special word of thanks to Weird Al's manager, Jay Levy. Yeah. <laughs> for for saving us by not having lunch together. Oh. <laughs> uh. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, and so we've been talking about <laughs> Yankovic, and I'm Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert, this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. I know what you think, I don't know. <laughs> I'm Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> sure. This has been amazing. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host. Frank Santo Padre, who uh, who I knew for about five years before I could pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah, In fact, that includes the first seven episodes true. of the podcast. I feel better now. Yeah, right, good. yeah. Okay, and you do song parody. <laughs> I, I used to. <laughs> I, I'm now I'm just doing podcasts. You should do a podcast, yeah. Al. So I guess that's it. Thanks, thanks, Al. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for doing it. No, no, thank you. Thank you.